and welcome to the third series of the Marathon Medic podcast. My name's Amy and I'm a junior doctor and running coach with an interest in sports medicine. On this series of the podcast, we'll be talking about everything running and travel related. On this episode, I'm chatting with Mark Callaghan. Mark is an endurance athlete and coach who has a passion for running, travel and social change. Mark has set up projects including Sport for Africa, which aims to support community sports projects through sustainable funding, and Run Capture, which promotes Capture as a leading destination for sport tourism in East Africa. As well as this, Mark documents his experiences on his blog, Adventures in Running. So hi Mark and thank you so much for joining me. Could you just start us off by chatting a little bit about yourself and your journey into running? Okay, so the journey into running is kind of uh, second time around, I guess. I ran, uh, I ran at secondary school. I ran cross country uh, and track. I started doing cross country because I didn't want to play rugby. I was a very slight child, and the idea of playing rugby with uh, with other other uh, boys who uh, had already gone through puberty. I didn't go through puberty till I was about thirty, so uh, <laughs> I was absolutely tiny, and the idea of playing rugby did not appeal to me at all. So the other option was cross country. So I chose cross country, and uh, luckily for me, I, I, it turned out that I was uh, quite handy at it. So. Um, that was my first uh, introduction to running, I suppose, running cross country and running track at uh, secondary school. But uh, football was always my first love. So I didn't really, after I left school, I, I kind of dropped running and, and just uh, just concentrated on football. And it wasn't really until I got into my sort of mid to, mid to late 30s, I guess, that I, I finished with football, but then found this kind of void in terms of not really having... Uh, uh, a sport to do and missing missing competition and missing some sort of structure around training uh, and also the social side you know miss really miss the social side as well so um, I think the first and foremost missing that having that outlet having that sporting outlet was was the reason that I got back into running uh, and a little bit of curiosity to see you know if however many years on I could still uh, I could still shift so and and then I the you know marathon I think was the first thing that appealed to me uh, that I that I'd, I'd not done a marathon before and just to see how 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 it would go so with no concept of uh, how difficult it is to prepare for a marathon typical kind of new newbie to coming from competitive sport mm-hmm. coming from a sport like football where it's quite easy you know the harder you try normally uh, the better the result. Uh, and just coming to coming to a marathon and just thinking I'm pretty, you know, I played football, it'll be fine. And just having a horrendous, horrendous day at London. London Marathon was my first marathon, having a horrendous day there. And I didn't, I didn't go anywhere near the marathon again till uh, mm-hmm. four or five years later. And it was the same, you know. It was just it. It ta- I think it it takes you a couple of marathons if you have if you're one of those people who aren't that serious about your running and you 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 just you just kind of rely on your whatever your competitive mindset and the fact that you you you're fairly confident you'll get round but what what that, what that doesn't take into account is how difficult you're going to make it for yourself by not doing any preparation um yeah and definitely the first the first couple were grim to say the least but then i think it really piqued my i wonder how it would feel and how you could do if you actually looked into how to prepare properly um and i think that was the first time i heard the phrase about respecting respecting Mm. the distance and and being quite a big fan of that whole you know the whole david brailsford 
marginal gains idea and you know so that that was at, at the same kind of time I think I was starting to take an interest in like sports psychology and sports science and um, not that I had any background in that at all but just that I found it really fascinating I think if you're someone who's been winging something and has found it to be a lot more challenging than you expected but you're also quite inquisitive I think um, the idea that you could look into all these different areas and maybe bring your bring your level up really really appealed to me. it became like a, a nice little side project to say okay what kind of things do you need to do to get to feeling feeling good in a marathon if you know is that even a thing can you feel good in a marathon like that's kind of one of those questions and what do you need to eat how do you need to train uh who can you talk to who who knows how to do it well who can you watch you know who can you kind of use as a an example of of what good looks like in in marathon and and i think like as well because i'd not been involved in ever been involved in club running moving into running to, to me was always what you know it's a solo endeavor and, and then being introduced to team running you know cross country for example uh, is a really good example of as an adult the involvement in a, in a running club cross country i found that really really cool like running with your teammates uh, at a cross country meet was firstly like throwing it back to being like 11 years old again in in, in the you know, freezing, icy, cold in, in, in a UK winter, but this time running with, you know, your your mates from the running club. I, I found that uh, really helpful and learning from those guys who had years and years of running experience that I didn't have. I think that was really helpful in my, in my journey to trying to understand how can I be a better runner? How can mm. I be a better marathon runner? And through learning all of those things, have you answered your own question about whether you can actually run a marathon and feel good? I, I think so. I don't know whether I just imagined it or I look back now and think that was it. That was the moment. But there, there was a race and a moment where I thought, this is it. Like, this is what it feels like to feel confident and comfortable and, you know, light and all of the things that I thought there's no way mm. that you can ever feel this in a marathon. It's just so grim. But yeah, there was that moment. And, you know, sometimes you look back on things and maybe you've, you've made it a slightly kind mm. of glossier than it actually was. But yeah, I think Brighton. 2015 that was the first time that I, that I ran un, under three hours and again that's another thing like I was I was always like that that's just not possible you know he must have to be super special or like super dedicated or like one of those kind of real I don't know what you call them I call them like runner types because I don't see myself <laughs> as a runner type you know um you know like just like people who just live for running, for running. Mm. everything is running and they're like and I've never been like that so I thought you must have to be one of those people but it turned out you didn't. And <laughs> since then, have you had that feeling with all the races you've done or do you feel like it is just race to race? How are you prepared? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, real mixed bag. I mean, it, it wasn't like, this is the beginning of a whole new... <laughs> Your career. <laughs> yeah, incre- like incredible feeling during the marathon. No, definitely not. I've had, uh, I've, had, I've, 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 I've had that sensation and that feeling again, for sure, in other races when, when I've been going along nicely. But I think I've probably had more difficult experiences mm. in 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 the marathon in particular but in other races as well if you respect if you respect the distance and you prepare well it is possible to actually feel uh like you're getting the better of the, the of marathon the race, yeah. yeah but yeah for sure to to answer your question uh, yeah I've, I've, there's I've, been I've, some I've, difficult <laughs> times since then yeah they're all like flooding back to me at <laughs> once but yeah there have there's definitely mm. been some the complete opposite of that as well and now um your life is 
I'd say almost kind of dedicated to to running in terms of your job and what you do day to day. Can you tell me a little bit about the transition from a corporate career to to running? I think I think the the travel side of it probably came before the running side of it. So I mean, I'd I'd always tried to have like long breaks mm-hmm. uh, from from my sort of mid twenties. I tried to have long breaks where I wasn't in like career mode. And I know it's not the same for everyone, but for me, I I've never understood like just being in career mode for 30 years and that's the main thing like that that's that 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 didn't resonate with me like it my other people so I'd always try to sort of like grow my grow my career but at the same time allow myself breaks where I could go and explore because I wasn't I wasn't really like the holiday type I was more I want to kind of Immerse um, yourself. Yeah, yeah. I want to. If I'm going to go somewhere, I want to make a good run it yeah. and, and learn, you know, learn learn a bit more about where I am and and, and the culture and all that, and, and at least try um, to have a go at the language, even though I'm not particularly brilliant mm-hmm. at languages. I try. So it was always like trying to have a good run. If I was going to uh, go to a region or whatever, have a good run at it. I, I'd always said like, when I hit thirty, I'd take a take a long break, and I and so when I when I hit thirty, I did this this idea I'd had that I would just stop whatever I was doing at that time and then just go and, and, and make a list of 30 countries and then just go and do them all, go and visit them all in one go. And however long it took is however long it, long it took. And I think that was the trip that made like really kind of sowed the, sowed the seed. Of course, everyone would be like, I'd like to travel all the time. Who wouldn't? Like, if you like travel, then why wouldn't you want to do it all the time? But that's, that's just not, it's not the way life works, unfortunately, <laughs> if only it did. Um, if you're not the type of person that is in that structure where you're you you have a career and you have a career because either you love that career or you have a career because you're looking after your family or, 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 or that that's the kind of route you're on. But if you're not on that route, then you can often feel like I don't know if I fit into that route mm-hmm. or I don't fit into that route. So maybe there are some alternatives available to you. I was already starting to think how could you like forge an existence that is a better fit for where you are. So I think that's where it started. And it just so happened that I was starting to get into running at the same time that I was trying to think, how could I how could I have a way of living that means that I'm spending more time exploring other countries and cultures? I'd I'd continued working in corporate in, in the in the kind of corporate environment, but I was also starting to go through my um, coaching licenses for athletics. Um, so there was the travel bit. I was working on the coaching. I was, you know, I was, I was really getting into sort of endurance sport and, and running in particular. But I was also, as I, as I moved through my coaching, really starting to take an interest in sport for social change, sport for community development. Um, and the idea that everyone should have access to sport. The people that needed sport the most couldn't do it. And the people that perhaps needed it the least, and I, I, I mean, obviously, for me, everyone needs sport, but you, like perhaps the word intervention is probably the mm. best word to use, like didn't really need the inv- intervention, had all of the access. So I think slowly you can just start to see all these different routes slowly coming together into one. And the idea of Sport for Africa was that what skills and, and industries are already strong and already working in these countries that if you link up with a sports organisation and link up with someone with those skills who is already doing something in that industry, can you work together as, as, a, as a partnership and create, create funding for sport? So we started doing that at the end of 2019. I'm laughing because I know what's coming. Um, 
and we we looked at you know farming and farmers and tailoring and, and the typical kind of um, industries that are every day in Ugandan communities, especially rural communities where you know the sport provision is so 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 weak. So we started working with a couple of organisations around tailoring, tailoring and farming, try and prove that you can generate income and then fund sport off the back of them. And then about four weeks before the first farming harvest, obviously COVID hit. Yeah. And the whole of Uganda was locked down um, and you weren't allowed to move. So we had uh, like, uh, we had this, we had this big crop of sweet potatoes uh, outside a secondary school in, in Mpiji, which is like uh, a little while outside of Kampala. And it was just sat there and it was, you know, it was due for harvest. Uh, no one could move. You weren't allowed to, you weren't even allowed to, public transportation was shut down. Uh, you weren't allowed to, to use a private vehicle. So, uh, yeah, they just sat there for like two months. Like 60% of the crop had uh, gone because of weather and, and you know, rodents, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so was the, the concept is that you were trying to create projects and business about what's already there and then use the funding from that to, to basically encourage people into sport and provide run coaching? Is that how it was um, kind of set up to work? No, I think it, it's not necessarily running specific okay. i think a lot of african countries and uganda is, is no different football is king okay um so most of most of the sports programs football is always the first mm-hmm. on the list um so football netball and then athletics they're kind of like the three the three main sports there maybe maybe rugby as well rugby, rugby definitely features yeah that's um that's the whole uh the whole idea but i mean the with a lot of things uh covid was uh a big old stride backwards but the hope is as things start to to normalize and it's a bit easier to operate and move around that we can reintroduce the reintroduce the momentum but it's going to take some time when you um have spent time time there you've obviously been there for a little while now what have you taken away in terms of the running culture and how it differs from the uk and has that impacted your running i love i love comparing the 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 two because they're so different mm. and it's another one of those things where travel really kind of broadens your mind in so many ways because especially if you you've you've not moved beyond a, a certain kind of a certain existence or a cer- certain society because there are there are so many things to experience and learn and some that some of them are so different to what you've always known that you're you're just like wow I had no idea I had no idea you could do it this way this way is much better so yeah, with running, it's 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 really interesting. I think the first thing was that because everyone thinks of uh, Kenya, well, Kenya and Ethiopia, when they think of running uh, in East Africa, they always think of Kenya and Ethiopia. Ever since I'd become interested in running, I'd always had a, had an interest in you know in competitive athlete, athletics as well. You know, and it was always that East African athletes had some magic in them, and that was very much Kenya and and Ethiopia. And I was traveling around Uganda and I was down in, down in, uh, near the, near, near the border with Rwanda, um, in, in the lakes near where the, near where the, the gorillas are. And I was talking to someone and they were telling me about this place in Uganda. Cause I was sort of like, there's Ugandan endurance runners as well, right? But there's not really a running culture in Uganda as such. Like, I mean, a little bit in Kampala, but when you go out to the villages and the rural areas, like, it's still very strange to see someone running. It's still like, in terms of social running, um, running for, you know, running for well-being, uh, 
running to to feel good, running for mindfulness, all that kind of stuff. There, there's there's nothing like you you just don't see it. I was sort of like, where do, where do people in Uganda actually run? And this guy's like, oh yeah, there's this little village up in the mountains, and all of the best Ugandan runners come from there. And I'd never heard of it because you know, obviously I'd heard of like. Um, Salulta in Ethiopia, where mm. um, where the like Mo Farah trains and where the Ethiopian runners train and and Eten and Eldoret and all that kind. Of, so I knew all about in those those places. And I'd been to I'd been to Eten and Eldoret and I'd I'd seen that this this kind of um, this idea of almost like a, a center of excellence, but just like a natural center of excellence. Not that it not that it had been built. Mm. That just happened to be yeah. where all the runners are yeah. concentrated. Exactly. And so I, I heard about this place and I was kind of like, that sounds bloody amazing. <laughs> so this place, it's in the middle of bloody nowhere. Like it's like on the side of a, an extinct volcano. Mount Elgon is the name of, of the mountain. And yeah, it's this little farming village on the side of a, an extinct volcano right over in the, in the east of Uganda. So it's like seven or eight hours drive from Kampala or, or, or probably an extra hour from Entebbe where the only airport, like the uh, yeah. international airport. And I was I've got to go here. I'd found out that uh, Stephen Kipritich, the guy who won the Olympic marathon in, in London in 2012, was from Kapchorwa. The, the, the place, this place, Kapchorwa is the name of it. Joshua Cheptegei was also from, from Kapchorwa. Um, and when I arrived there, they was, they, they, you know, they were kind of, um, everyone was talking about this guy. You climb up, to this place and even when you're climbing up you just start to spot people out running and you don't see that anywhere else in Uganda and then when you get there if you didn't know you would not think like there's no real signs like there's no stadium or anything. it just looks like uh, this mountain side farming town doesn't doesn't there's not there's, there's nothing sp- special about it in terms of that but then when you when you kind of move out of the town and you see these like the trails and the hills you can see why uh people who live and train there how they're just a different level it's it's so hard like the terrain is so tough and the runners are just everywhere you know groups of like 15 20 25 every morning like first light and every evening um you know like four thirty, five o'clock they're just everywhere have you got to the bottom about like why in certain areas of Uganda there's you're not seeing anyone running around, and then in this pocket there's everyone's on their feet morning and night? It's it's definitely down to the lack of a uh, a kind of a social running scene mm. in in Uganda. Like all of the people in Capture, that, that's why it's so weird. Like all of the people in Capture are running because they're running for livelihood. Mm. They're running to earn prize money or sponsorship. Okay. So that they can feed their feed their families. You're talking about eighteen, nineteen year old kids who are just coming out of school who are hoping that they're going to be the next Joshua Cheptegei. To obviously jo- Joshua Cheptegei himself, who is you know the biggest role model, as, as you can imagine, uh, world champion, five k world record holder just the other week. So he's just like he's everything that everyone there aspires to be. But that's the difference, I think. Everyone there is very serious. You know, when I run, I just get laughed at most of the time. Um, they they just wonder why, why, why am I running if I'm not making a living from it? Yeah. Seems like such a stark contrast to here, where I think most people are running for the social and have no interest in times. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely, you know. it is. Yeah, it's it's really really different. And to go back to the, the the first part of the question, I suppose it's it's running 
like stripped back to its most basic kind mm. of level and seeing people excel without of all without all of the trappings and all of the noise and all of the add-ons and all of the gimmicks does make you question whether you need all or any of the the things that you know there's no glossy running magazines in Uganda saying yeah. hey look here's all the stuff you need to buy it's just Are like they... yeah yeah if 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 you if you're lucky you will get a decent pair of running shoes provided mm. to you by your camp or maybe by a sponsor um, those who don't, they just kind of hand them down. I mean, there's there's that really nice sense of community there where those that have share with everybody else. So even the runners who are doing well for themselves, you know, and get whatever, a whole bunch of shoes from their sponsors will just pass them. And it's funny because you can see where people have shared kit because they've got like official race bags and tracksuits and stuff from race like from countries they've never even been to mm. but someone who's traveling and and yeah. you know earning some money on the circuit is just sharing uh, sharing kit uh, out across the across the teams and stuff so the simplicity of it is one of the intriguing things i think the fact that you see what can be achieved just um with the absolute minimum of of kit and nutrition and all that kind of stuff and you, you you just think well I don't necessarily feel like I I, I need to have all of this. I mean, mm. I get how the model works and why yeah. why people are trying to sell you a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. I get it. Um, but yeah, I think when it adds to the barriers here as well, doesn't it? Like those people yeah. that don't have the access, they're probably not going to feel too yeah. comfortable turning up to a running club where everyone's in the latest. Yeah, no, you're, the I think you're absolutely right. That's a gels. good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's very interesting. Simple. Yeah, it definitely yeah. makes me question why I uh, <laughs> where some of my money goes. That's for sure. Um, just in terms of your own personal running, where's your where's been your favourite place to run in all your travels? Um, I think just for everyday running, I'm obviously I'm super biased. I'd have to say Capture and is there's just because it's so high up. Yeah. Um, like it's got this really nice. If you go at the right time of the day, it's like beautifully cool. If you've ever been to Uganda, particularly if you've ever been to Kampala, and you think how oppressive the heat and yeah. the traffic and the noise and the dust is and all of a sudden you're in this place where it's like cool crisp morning air you're on the side of a mountain but you still got that really lovely deep red mm. kind of dirt to run on and it's really quiet because it's so far out of the way there's not much in terms of uh, traffic and stuff so you can like hear your own footsteps crunching the kind of red dirt and there's just because you're so high up you can just see the the plateau and the plains like miles for, for miles and miles i always feel like i shouldn't be asking these questions when travel is pretty much a no-go at the moment it's <laughs> making me a bit jealous um and in terms of races what are the best races that you've done outside of the uk um oh god uh well i think all of all of the all of the, the marathon majors that i did were special just the noise, especially in the the American ones, the noise and the support of the crowds. And I think I think I wrote about it um, on one of them. Like I think it's the closest you'll ever come as like a, a kind of like a jobbing middle of the road runner to experiencing what it feels like to be like in amongst a, a crowd who are just really like lifting you up. Yeah. And I think the the marathon majors, as much as they're because you know they're, 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 there's the whole bit that they're becoming more and more kind of corporate and stuff and yeah. I get that but in terms of like the feeling you get like turning a corner and hitting a particular street or going over a particular bridge 
and there are thousands and thousands and, th- and they're just going absolutely they don't care you know they don't care who you are where you're from how rubbish you are for, for that moment you feel like a you know you feel like a superhero and uh, it's just amazing and for people that are looking to combine their running with traveling around what would your kind of tips and advice be for people planning big adventures in different countries hopefully on foot i can definitely uh, recommend the experience of going somewhere for a longer stretch and kind of getting involved in in whatever whatever the you know the country uh, or, or that, that that particular area has to, has to offer uh, getting to know a few people beforehand making it uh, making a bit more of a feel like a bit more of a kind of uh, locals experience um, I've definitely got a, I've definitely got an awful lot out of that yeah mm. thank you so much for chatting with me is there anything else you just want to add to end with um, probably the only other thing is that I didn't I forgot to mention was that um, one of the projects that we do in uh, Capchua is uh, is a project to try and increase the amount of uh people who are visiting that that region so the idea is to try and um promote the promote capture as a, as a destination for people to come and people to come run whether that be running for leisure but also for for training because it's at altitude it's at 2000 meters altitude so it's a also a nice different kind of place to go for altitude training yeah so that that project is called run capture so i think you can probably find out more about that afterwards but yeah, I thought that was worth mentioning. If you're interested in visiting uh, the the land of uh, Ugandan champions and maybe coming and doing some running in uh, my, my other backyard, then yeah, we'd love to have you. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to hear more from Mark, then you can head to his website, adventuresinrunning.info, where you'll find Mark's blog and also further information about Sport for Africa and Run Captura. You can find Mark on Instagram using at markc underscore run and you can follow me using the handle at Marathon Medic. I'll be back with another travel-related podcast next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.